Welcome to the Riding from the Inside Out, Empowering Our Horse Girl Selves podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Waldo. In this podcast, I talk about how I became a horse girl as a child and why I've returned to being a horse girl as an adult. I discuss what I've learned about why many of us are horse girls, what that inexplicable heart and soul-based force is that draws us to horses like moths to a flame, how I've learned that our relationships with horses can be an opportunity for us as horse girls to empower ourselves at our deepest inner self levels, and how by doing so, we can feel more empowered in all aspects of our lives, including in our riding and our relationships with horses. In this show, I'll share personal stories of my journey to date and how I continue to practice doing this day to day in my relationship with my current horses. I'll also periodically interview other women about how they're empowering themselves as horse girls as well. So join me as we go on this journey of empowering our horse girl selves together. Welcome back to the Riding from the Inside Out podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk about listening to your own wisdom more. So without further ado, let's dive in. Listening to your own wisdom more, listening to your own wisdom more. Oh boy, has that been just kind of a, not a mantra, but almost kind of like a message that I have I feel like it's one that I've lived my entire life, but I feel like, oh man, the last three years is just, it's like, it's like in the background, always playing like a background soundtrack, you know, listen to your own wisdom more, listen to your own wisdom more over and over and over again. I find that when things are confusing, um, things are uncertain, I'm getting frustrated with my life and my riding and my horses and and all of that I feel like when I tune into my own inner voice and I kind of sort through all of the stuff that's going on the one thing that always seems to really help me navigate is this idea of what is my own wisdom and am I listening to it more or am I listening to something outside of me? This is, this is just such an important thing. And it plays out, I think, as, as horse girls for us, um, a lot. Uh, I mean, it plays out for everybody in everybody's life. I talk about it in my non-horse work as well, Um, but today I want to talk about how it relates to our horse life and our horse girl life. 
So I like to share stories. I like to share stories because I feel like real life stories because they can illustrate things and how I've learned and come to certain awarenesses about things. And, and, um, it's, it's, you know, an easier way to kind of talk about something. So let me back up a little bit and share a story actually. So when I got back into horses, um, this last, this, you know, this latest time, um, I mentioned in earlier episodes that I had been away from riding for a long time and away from owning a horse for a long time. And, um, and then we moved to this property and we had, you know, kind of acreage, not with any intention of anything. Um, we didn't even really think about it. It was It was in the middle of winter. It was the day after Christmas when we saw this house. It was covered with snow. We couldn't even really see what the property included. We just know we liked the way it felt and the way it looked. Um, But then as the weather started to change and I started to look around me, I started to be like, wow, you know, interesting. Acreage, acreage. Um, we never had more than a half an acre before uh, at the previous houses that we had owned. And they had been in, you know, in urban areas. Um, we owned a house in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in a, you know, on a street with lots of houses right next door. Um, and we owned a house in um, the Bay Area of California where we were in a neighborhood. We were close to open space, but, you know, we had a house on each side of us and sidewalks and you know it wasn't like a like a new development or anything but it was definitely like in a neighborhood and we had a pretty decent sized backyard um for by bay area standards um which we were fortunate to have but it was still less than half an acre i don't even think it was i don't remember exactly how much it was but my point is when we first came here it was like well what you know I didn't think about horses um I had considered the idea maybe maybe someday get a horse that's like literally how far away it was from me right so and, and, and how that came was we had made an offer on another house um, that we thought we liked. Well, we didn't actually really like it. We were kind of getting desperate. <laughs> we had kind of like lost the faith that we were going to find a house. Um, we had been living in our RV trying to find a house and it was getting colder and colder and colder. And um, we had made an offer on a house that we were like, we didn't like love, but it kind of seemed to check off the boxes. And, and that house had like, just under two acres I think and there was a um a barn right next door that had like um um mules and I was like oh mules that would be cool to be next to these mules and that house itself had like this small barn as well it wasn't like fenced for horses but I was like I think in the back of my mind in the crevices of my horse girl brain There was some little seed getting planted that I wasn't fully conscious of at that point. Um, And so then when we moved, when we found the place that we own now, that we live now, and it had just about five acres or under five acres, um, it was like, huh. 
And then, as I talked about in this podcast, we ended up, um, I was talking to a woman, the mortgage broker for our uh, property or for our loan. And she mentions that there's place a place up the street that um, was a riding, they taught riding lessons and uh, a hunter jumper equitation type of barn and I didn't think there really were any in Montana um, because I had seen a lot of western style stuff so I was like well that's cool and next thing you know I'm calling them up and taking a lesson because you know I was just gonna take one lesson and check that box off and um, you know be like yeah okay this is cool but um, that was enough and uh, yeah that's what I thought yeah, I, we all know that wasn't really what was going to happen. I mean, come on, be real. If you're a true horse girl, that doesn't ever cut it for you. It never cut it for me in the past. I was fooling myself. But whatever, whatever you have to tell yourself. And I told myself and my husband, I'm just going to take a lesson and see how I feel. And then it was like, I'm just going to take a weekly lesson and see how I feel. And then it was like, um, I've got to start taking more lessons because I need to ride more and uh, I need to get back into this. And um, yeah, I know I went to the barn and I've been gone for like five hours and you're not sure when you're going to see me again. But um, yeah, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's kind of how that whole thing went. So lo and behold, I'm riding. Um, I'm riding more. I don't know where I'm going with it but I know it's right. It feels right in my heart. It feels right in my soul. I know um, I can't give it up. I know I want more. I want more. I want more, right? And um, the trainer that I was riding with, she mostly worked with younger kids um, or, you know, kids, juniors. And, um, and there was no opportunity to like lease a horse um, or even really get more riding lessons in, uh, I was kind of like maxed out. And so what happened is at one point I said something about maybe buying a horse and she's like, Oh, well, you know, I thought you would want to just kind of see how things go for like a year or something, you know, just kind of ease into it. And I'm like, oh boy, does she not know me? Because I don't really ease into anything. I'm not, I don't know, do any horse girls really ease into anything? Do you really just tip your toe in the water? I don't know. I just don't think that goes along with the horse girl spirit. Um, you know, and, and so I was like, uh, uh, okay, yeah, well, um, I think I'm interested in maybe buying a horse. And she talked about a number that I could expect to pay or that she thought I would need to pay. And I was like, yeah, that's not happening because I've got kids. We just spent a lot of money on our house. Um, There's lots of other things that we need to do. And I was not going to do that. So I was in a quandary. What do I do? I can't ride more. Um, if she's going to help me buy a horse, uh, then, or I'm going to, you know, kind of go through her, um, that's not an avenue. So what am I going to do? Well, I did what any horse girl does. I said, I'll figure it out. (laughs) That's what we horse girls do, right? We don't just, if you're a real horse girl, 
Um, and you're not just following the safe little lines. You figure things out. You find your own way. You find your own path. You go your own direction. Why? Because you darn well want to make that connection with that horse or keep that connection with horses. That's what was going on with me. So what do I do? I turn to Facebook. Facebook. I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. Mostly a hate relationship. But um, it's a great way to find, um, you know, to kind of find out what's going on about horses outside the area. Because I started looking at horses that might be for sale around here in Montana, and I couldn't find any. Of course, because I had ridden um, English hunter um, hunter equitation and later jumpers, that was kind of like where I would, you know, go back to, at least initially. Um, I also read Western but when I was a kid, but, you know, like... I felt a drive and when I started riding again it was to ride you know to to start jumping again um and so I was looking for a horse like that would fit in that and I wasn't finding anything around Montana everything was really expensive so on Facebook I started researching and I started researching and then the next thing you know you know the um so I had ridden uh thoroughbreds when I rode uh, English, when I rode as a junior, I rode quarter horses and other mixed, you know, like it was a paint and a pinto and, but quarter horses a lot. And then when I rode English as a kid um, and in in college and then returning again, it was always thoroughbreds. Um, And so I started looking at thoroughbreds And I started to find that, you know, if I'm willing to go out of state, um, that I could find something that wasn't in the price range of what my, the person that I was taking lessons with had said that I would need to, to pay. And it ended up that, um, and I also, you know, I didn't want to just get some older you know, school-made horse that, um, you know, push-button horse. I mean, I used to ride green horses. I used to ride, I used to train young horses. I mean, this is, I used to work with difficult horses. The difference is I hadn't been riding for a long time, so it was taking me time to, you know, remember things, um, but mostly for my body to kind of um, function in the way that it, can now compared to what it did at 17 and 20 and 24 and even 30 and you know there's some differences there and there's some stuff I've had back surgery I've had back issues there's some concerns that I've had um you know and as someone who's ridden green horses that run out of fences and um you know whatever I I I know what can happen so I was kind of like walking this line where I didn't want some older horse that I'm just going to be bored with, but I also didn't want something, you know, um, too scary and too dangerous because I knew that I was just getting back into it. And I also knew that I had health uh, concerns or safety concerns, you know, so this wasn't the time for me to start, you know, restart back on a bucking bronco or anything like that. So here I was, I found this horse 
and um and I brought the horse to the trainer's attention because initially, you know, we didn't have our house set up for horses. And the idea was that, well, I've got to board the horse somewhere, so I should board it where I've been taking lessons and um, and and ride there. And I liked the camaraderie um, that was there. You know, it kind of reminded me of when I was a kid and, you know, there were like the, the girls and they would kind of all talk and whatever. Um, so... I bring this up to the trainer and the response was not what I had expected. Um, Now, I'm not going to put words or thoughts in her. I'm not going to attempt to explain or um, describe what I think was really going on with her. But all I know is the response was not what I had expected. Um, There were concerns that had been brought up about the horse that I found, and they really didn't make any sense to me because... (laughs) The horse that I was riding at this farm actually had more of that than the horse that I was considering buying. So it was kind of like, what on earth? Something wasn't adding up, right? Something wasn't adding up. Here's this person who's, you know, helping me um, or is supposed to be helping me because I'm paying them to help me, you know, get back into writing and whatever and something is being said that doesn't line up with what I know and isn't ringing true and set off major alarms and what ended up happening is I ended up realizing over a period of time you know that I needed to listen to my own wisdom more. I needed to listen to myself more because at first I was just, I was just confused. And, um, and what ended up happening is I kind of went through a bit of a metamorphosis, um, for a number of weeks there when I had to kind of remember that, I do have wisdom, even though I hadn't used it in a long time, and that I needed to start tuning into it, and um, I needed to start listening to it, and what ended up happening is um, I did that, and that's what led me to not board the horse there. I actually even left that trainer for that reason, but some other reasons too. There were some other things that were going on that just it wasn't a fit. I decided to explore another discipline. Um, I decided to kind of maybe try a little dressage. And, um, and so for a few different reasons, I separated ways with that trainer. But the point that I'm trying to make is that I had to tell myself or allow myself permission and to remind myself to listen to my own inner wisdom more 
And my own inner wisdom knew that what was being said by her about this horse was not, was not accurate. And I knew it. And I, that meant I needed to listen to myself. I needed to listen to myself and not get the answer from outside of myself. Right. And, um, I had this lesson, (laughs) lesson. I had this experience so many times, um, last year with my, with my horse, because, um, I experienced this with farriers as well. So I get this horse, um, and I bring him home and I'm boarding him, not boarding him. We, we set up our property, uh, here. Um, and if you're curious about that, that was its whole own adventure. And I actually created a a podcast, um, about that, about what that experience was like. And, 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 and it's still available. It's, um, a certain, only a certain number of episodes. And then I decided to stop it and it's called adventures in ranching, starting a small horse ranch, uh, in Montana. Um, and if you look up my name, Michelle Waldo in iTunes or any player, you can find that podcast as well. So feel free to tune into that. Um, because I share, not knowing how to set up our property for the horses, um, or for the horse, you know, and yet doing it, which is all about what I'm talking about being a horse girl. Cause I figured it out. And so did my husband, you know, um, we navigated that. But the thing is that in that first, you know, year with my horse, I went through so many moments of having to practice listening to my own inner wisdom. You know, the horse world has always been full of lots of opinions. I mean, the world in general is full of lots of opinions. Everybody's like, eat this way. No, eat that way. Oh, you know, do this diet. No, do that diet. Oh, do this kind of, you know, thing. Oh no, do that kind of thing. I mean, that just is the nature of human nature. Um, but you know, I feel like with horses, with horses, right? Like we as horse girls, we want to do right by our horses, right? So like, depending upon our experience level, we can, um, you know, you can either learn through the, the school of hard knocks, which I did a lot of when I was a kid, because I went many years before I had a riding lesson. Um, that pony paint, I didn't have a riding lesson for that pony. I figured that pony out, you know, through books and hard work and trying and experimenting and, you know, sure, listening to some of the different people around the barn, um, trying things out and trying other things out and you know, whatever. I also did 4-H and, and, you know, would sometimes pick up ideas there and that sort of thing. But really my journey as a horse girl, you know, has so much been about listening to my own wisdom in a world where lots of people profess to be the, you know, knowers of all things and all right things. And what I've come to understand is that everybody that puts forth something to other people as a teacher, as a trainer, as a, you know, expert or whatever, really what it is, is 
they've had certain experiences, they've had certain awarenesses about those experiences, and then they share them. And um, sometimes those things can be really popular because other people resonate with that. And then that kind of almost like becomes like this thing, like, oh, well, that's a sure thing that you do things that way. But there's always exceptions to every rule. And um, really, what I've found is that the best thing we can do for ourselves as horse girls is to listen to ourselves. And in listening to ourselves, sometimes we feel called to tune into or, you know, consult or listen to what other people are sharing. Um, you know, maybe this expert or that expert or whatever. But it always has to come back to, does that make sense to you? Does that align with your own inner wisdom? Does that ring true? Does it feel right? This is something that you know, I don't feel like is is um, taught a lot in our culture is, you know, whether something really rings true in our gut and in our sense and in our knowing, but it should be, it should be. Because we have a lot of wisdom and awareness about our own particular situation that other people just aren't simply going to have right? Like how many times have you consulted somebody for something and then they say, oh, do X, Y, and Z and it doesn't work? Well, if they say it worked on their 10 other horses or whatever, why isn't it working on yours? Well, because there's something different about yours, something different about your horse or your situation or your circumstance, which means it's not exactly the same thing as what those other horses that that other person experienced and who is the best judge of what you are experiencing it is you you are the best judge just like for me with that paint pony I was the one that had that paint pony paint that I could listen to people in the barn but nobody gave me the recipe they might have given me a suggestion of an ingredient to try in my recipe. And then I could see if that worked or not. But I had to come up with the recipe that would make that pony into the partner that that pony became. That was empowerment. That was me empowering myself. And that was me listening to my own inner wisdom. So let me get back to in the last year. Um, so, you know, we had a lot of stuff going on, setting up this property and all of that. Well, the other thing that happened is my horse who had had front shoes on, um, he lost a shoe. And um, he had been, uh, he'd gotten a fresh pair of shoes on right before I had him shipped from Michigan so, you know, it wasn't like he was overdue or anything, um, but it had been kind of muddy and, and, and wet. Um, and then I don't know, I think maybe there was a bear or something around because he, there was like a, 
a period of time where he ran around like a nut. And um, there's a there's actually a mule um, on our current property that lives in the property adjacent to us and he was running around like a nut too. So um, I think that there was maybe a bear or a mountain lion or something that they were smelling and they were both going crazy. And so my horse was kind of like moving around and running and it was kind of like there was some mud um, not too much, uh, cause there had been grass there, but there was some mud and whatever he, he pulled a shoe. Well, it's really hard to get a farrier in this area where we live. And, um, and, uh, I couldn't find anyone. And then I found someone, this young guy who came out and he was kind of a small guy. Um, and you know, hindsight's always 2020, you know, when you have a bad experience, you look back and you're like, crap, why didn't I see that thing? Well, there's a lot of crap. Why didn't I see that thing moments that happen in that, in that situation. So the guy comes out and I was just so grateful that he, 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 um, professed to work with a local vet and knew about um, doing wedges because my horse has this high heel, low heel thing, kind of high low thing going on that thoroughbreds often have. And um, and when we did our PPE, they had recommended that we get um, a wedge for him. And, uh, and so I wanted a farrier that would be able to do that. And this guy had claimed that he had worked with vets and he knew all about doing that and so yeah he was coming out and he was going to do a wedge um and you know I had explained about the horse and his age and what breed he was and whatever and my horse I should note is 17 hands um so he's big and he's not like he's not like um narrow he's he's just he's kind of broader looking so he he has a a strength to him and he's um and he's a a more dominant personality although I didn't really know that at that time he was up in at that point we had had him I'd had him maybe four five five weeks six weeks something like that and he had just kind of been like a big a big puppy dog um and so here here we are and this farrier comes out and I'm so grateful. And he just kind of walks up to the horse and he picks up his feet and he starts working on him. And I'm just, again, just so glad that I got someone to, you know, come out because um, I had called so many farriers that wouldn't even just call me back because there's just, I guess there's just a lot of people in this area um, that have horses and not enough farriers and and it was a busy time of the season and whatever so I was so grateful and what ended up happening is um, my horse he kind of like pulled his foot up um, and he did it once and the guy got really mad and I was just like okay I'll just you know just I'll hold him more, you know, um, I thought it seemed odd that the guy got really mad because like not every horse just stands perfectly for the farrier. I mean, my horse didn't do anything awful. Um, he pulled his full foot out of the guy's hand and the guy got really mad. Right. So like it seemed odd, but I, 
again, was still just under the guise of being so grateful that he came out. So it ended up that it happened again. Um, and when it happened again, it's like, I can't quite remember. I think he pulled, I think he was nailing into my horse's hoof. And I think my horse had sensitivity there because that's where he had pulled his shoe. And, um, you know, and he, and so he had some, some horse, he had some sensitivity there. And so he went to pull up and then this guy is kind of like a small guy and he kind of lost his balance. And then he got really mad. Um, and basically told me my horse was dangerous and no one would ever be able to shoe him. And I'm, I'm, I'm new to this horse. So I haven't had him shod for me before, but I had, seen him getting shod by his last farrier with his previous owner and he was just standing there like a big old teddy bear so I'm just like I'm flabbergasted right so it ended up that the guy um I convinced him to just finish putting on the shoe um because I think it was the second one that he had done and uh but he was just like I'm never coming back again and he's like this horse is really dangerous and you can't ever get this horse shot unless you like sedate him and this that and the other and I'm just I'm just in shock really um well what ended up happening is um I listened to him I listened to him and I I took on his view of my horse and um and then I had a lot of issues with his feet. He he ended up losing that shoe after a while. Um, and then um, I wanted to pull the other one off. And I did get some guy out to do that. And he was this like, he was this guy that um, was older. He had only ever worked with like ranch horses and quarter horses. And, and he just, he like did this thing where he like immediately pulled my husband to the side and was going off about how horrible thoroughbreds are. And that, you know, you should basically just like throw them out and shoot them because they're, they have no value because their hooves are so bad. And I didn't know this. Um, I didn't know this until afterwards, my husband told me, but basically what ended up happening is I didn't really, I didn't know, like, is there some kind of thing going on with my horse that I didn't know about when I got him, you know, like, is there something with his feet? Um, I knew that he was high low. I knew that, you know, he could benefit from a wedge. I knew some other things from the PPE we had done, but I really questioned and let my own like power kind of go to what these other people were saying. Now, here's the funny thing. My horse is barefoot. Um, he has a barefoot trimmer that comes out and she works with him and um, never has a problem. Never has a problem at all. He stands there. And as a matter of fact, my husband is even now trimming him. My husband trims him and he picks up his feet and he holds his feet and, you know, like he'll even anticipate and just pick his foot up before you're even ready. Right. So like what was going on? Well, like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty, And what I realized with that first guy is he never even tried to connect with my horse. 
He never even like connected with him. He never even like said hello or anything. And I have a very, let's just say proud horse. Um, he's a great, great grandson of Secretariat. He also has Stormcat in him, but he also has, um, uh, a, his dad was Curlin. So he's got like all these different, um, aspects, you know, he's, he's got these different sides to his, his, his bloodlines and his breeding that create a very unique personality in him. He's very smart. He can be dominant for sure, but he also can be very sweet and loving. And the reality is the horse has no problem getting his feet done. He doesn't. Really, what it was, was that guy, I've, I've come to understand, even though he had great reviews at the time, um, since then he's gotten some not so good reviews um, that I've, I've been like, yeah, um, I get it now. Uh, but th- the guy that had come out um, and declared my horse, you know, dangerous and unable to be shod, he'd never... I don't think he really worked with very many thoroughbreds or if he did, those were ones that just would stand there and certainly not one young or I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just because he's a small guy and my horse is really big or maybe it's just because he never even tried to connect with him. He never even greeted him. He never even acknowledged him. It was like he was a piece. It's like my horse was a piece of wood and he was just going to carve on it, right? I don't have that horse. I have a sensitive horse that is aware and smart and alert and looking for connection and also has a lot going on. But for me, I didn't really understand all that then. I was just getting to know him and I was learning to remember my own knowing, my own knowing, and to listen to my own wisdom, my own inner wisdom. And this is my point of this episode, is that it's really important to listen to our own wisdom. It's really important to acknowledge as horse girls that even when we don't know the answer right now, that if we embrace ourselves as horse girls and we appreciate and, you know, give ourselves credit for our horse girl selves, as I talked about in the last episode, and we appreciate that and we acknowledge that within ourselves, it's like we fill our cup back up and in filling our cup back up, it's like we can get the little impulses or ideas or thoughts or um, clues or whatever that can be kind of like solutions or that can help us get to the path of understanding or getting more clarity or wisdom or solutions for what it is that we're trying to do. 
And this is, this is what I'm talking about. But if you don't listen to your own wisdom, because you're just listening to what everybody else is saying, oh, he's this and he's that, or oh, do this and do that. And you just blindly go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing that somebody else says. And you don't listen to yourself about your own relationship with your horse and your own horse and your own self. You're doing yourself a disservice. That is not empowering yourself as that darned brave kick butt horse girl that you are. Your horse girl. Remember it. You do hard things. Remember it. Give yourself credit for it. And what that means is sometimes you don't know the answers, but you don't give up. You don't stop. You don't just blindly follow what somebody else says. You continue to walk the path of navigating listening to your own self along with maybe trying other things that other people have discussed, but doing it all through the filter of yourself. And this is what I'm talking about, listening to your own inner wisdom. It took me a while to get to the point where I found this other um, barefoot trimmer that, um, well, it's funny because I had met her through uh, another trainer that I started working with and then she ended up deciding to start doing barefoot trimming. She'd been doing it for her own horse and then um, I was, I think, one of the early ones she started working with uh, when she started her business. But um, it, it took me a while to get to that place and remember my own inner wisdom to, to say, I'm not going to listen to what this farrier is saying about my horse it didn't line up just like it took me a while to realize I wasn't going to listen to what that first trainer said about the horse that I was considering because it didn't make sense and I knew it our trainers our vets our farriers our you know whatever's they are people too. They are people that have had certain sets of experiences and certain knowledge. And if they try to tell you that they know everything in all circumstances and that they're right no matter what, I've learned that the best thing I can do is walk away from that. Walk away. Because they don't. They don't know every circumstance. They don't know you the way you know you. They don't know your horse often the way you know your horse, you know. I mean, unless they're it's their horse and then they know their horse more than you know the horse. But you're the one living it. I've gone through this so many times in other areas of my life with my kids' medical health stuff and my own health stuff and doctors and... um education systems and oh my gosh I could tell you story after story after story after story after story of listening blindly to other people the so-called expert the so-called knowledgeable one the so-called this the so-called that and how it never serves me the way I am served 
when I just, I listen to myself and I will, I will weigh in or take in somebody's input. But only almost like for a trial run or only for a consideration and only if it feels right and listen to myself. And like the idea of when we practice giving ourselves credit for being a horse girl and for being brave, when you listen to yourself more and more and more, it, it's like it becomes easier. It develops as a skill, as a, um, yeah, I guess as a skill. It's like a skill that gets stronger and stronger and easier for you to kind of navigate. You know, what what is it that my own what is it that I'm really feeling? What is it that I'm really knowing? Um, what is what somebody else has been telling me to do versus what I know to do? And how do I, how do I tell how I feel about something? Or if I have a hunch about something, or I have a gut instinct about something that comes from practice, but you don't get practice until you start trying it out. And so I invite you, I invite you to start trying it out. Or if you've been doing it, start doing it darn more. Because I find it always serves me. The more I listen to myself and my own inner wisdom, the more it serves me. And to be honest, when it serves me, I actually find that it also serves the people around me a lot more as well. But that's another topic. So I invite you, as I said, to listen to your own inner wisdom, to listen to yourself, to start that inner dialogue or inner um, checking in with yourself. How does this feel? What are, what are your thoughts about it? What's your gut telling you? What's your heart say? That's how that kind of discussion with your own inner self starts. And I found as a horse girl that that has served me immeasurably. So I will end on that note until the next episode. I'm so glad you tuned into today's episode of the Riding from the Inside Out, Empowering Our Horse Girl Selves podcast. If you're enjoying this show, hit the subscribe button, share this episode with others, and leave me a rating and review in iTunes. To connect with me, visit me on Facebook and Instagram at the Riding from the Inside Out podcast, where I share related content and support on how we can empower ourselves as horse girls from the inside out. And finally, to learn more about me and my other offerings, visit my website at Michelle waldo.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-W-A-L-D-O.com.